Hi everyone, my name's Nicole. I'm Brenna. I'm Reed. And this is FitClick. This is a podcast where we talk about fan fiction. Each episode, each of the three of us brings a fic to discuss. Brenna, what did you bring for this episode? Yes. Um, so my fic for this episode is called Train That Will Take You by Bold Seer. Uh, it is for that hit fandom ticket to ride board game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I really love anytime we have to preface a fic with this is for that hit uh, fandom because you <laughs> it's know always that a hit it is fandom. just. Yeah. <laughs> it's always a hit. For the three of us. All the Ticket to Ride fans have been waiting for this. Every episode, they're like, do a Ticket to Ride fic. Yeah, this is the only (laughs) fic in the Ticket to Ride tag. I did just check. Um, (laughs) This is a fic from the most recent round of Yuletide, and it was recommended to me by a friend of the pod, Cassie. So thank you, Cassie, Cassie. for this fic. Um, Nick, what did you bring? Yeah, so the fic that I brought for this episode is called Weight of Heaven by Huarium. It is a fic for the fandom Seventeen band. They're a K-pop group. The pairing is Jonghan slash Seungchul. Um, that's all I have to say about it right now, I think. Stay tuned. <laughs> hey, Reed, what did you bring? Yeah, so my fic is at, like the at symbol, hey, it's Spider-Man, all one word. Um, and the author is Megan... M-E-G-G-A-N-N-N, Megan. <laughs> Megan. <laughs> Megan. <laughs> Just trying to get that correct pronunciation. Um, this is for the animated film Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. It is a gen fic and it is also a media fic. I am super excited to talk about it. Before we get into our fics, though, we are bringing back a tried and true intro, mm-hmm. a classic, um, a real fan favorite, I'd say, that feels a little bit bold considering that we've only done it twice. But personally, I think that both times we've it done this intro- It was a smash intro, hit. Smash hit, incredibly potent. breaking mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, the first time we did it, we had clamors for more. I think it was like maybe two whole people who told us that we should do it again. <laughs> so- Yeah. <laughs> um, we did do it again, and now we're bringing it back. And in case you're wondering what the intro is, Brenna, do you want to explain what we're doing and how it works? All right, so we're doing an intro that we've just decided to call uh, New Fic Relay. If you have a, a better title, hit us up, please. Um, you've experienced this before, but it didn't have a name, so we're naming it now. Uh, it is where we take the AO3 posting structure for New Fix, and we go around in a circle, and we fill in uh, each category. Um, the categories like don't have to match, really, but we're, we create a fic. Um, so... It's usually kind of chaotic uh, and always a good listening experience. So <laughs> here we go. Um, all right, I'm going to kick us off here with the first category of rating, and I'm going to choose not rated. Ooh, I like the mystery of that. Mm-hmm. Um, archive warnings. Yeah, I think in line with that, we're not we're going to choose not to use the archive warnings. <laughs> Don't worry about it. With some bold choices here. <laughs> So for fandoms, we have NCT RPF, we have The Untamed, and we also have, um, hmm, let's see, The Great Gatsby, the book, not the movie. Oh, okay. Thank you. Thank you for clarifying that. Actually, that helps. 
Yeah, you're welcome. I've actually never seen the Great Gatsby movie, so. Oh, it's okay. (laughs) (laughs) I I think it had a good soundtrack, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, some songs were fun. I didn't really like the movie, but, you know, it's okay. That's Um, that's why we're talking about the book, not the movie. (laughs) That's why we're talking about the book. (laughs) Um, All right. Oh, boy. Okay. Categories. I mean, uh, canonically here, now we have, like, a lot of men involved in this thing. (laughs) And, like three women I can think of. <laughs> um, with that being said, let's go for MM, FM, and other. This is going to be a multi-pairing fic because we've got a lot of people to deal with. Yep. And I'm going to tell us what the relationships are because mm-hmm. uh-huh. that's fine. Um, okay. <laughs> what's what's the name of the like in, any of the juniors from The Untamed? Uh, you want just like any of the, them? The one that's their son. Uh, Lun Shizui. Okay, so it'll be Hei Chan and Shizui. Yeah, okay. They'll be friends. Um, Daisy slash Lan Wangji slash <laughs> NCT Johnny? Oh, God! <laughs> I'm panicking. Uh-huh, keep going. Yeah, keep yeah, going. yeah, I'm, I'm gonna You're continue. Doing You're doing great. <laughs> Thank you. Um... Jiang Cheng, JC, slash, um, Gatsby, <laughs> Gatsby, <laughs> and um, I, I I hate the fact that I feel like I have the most context and knowledge of the characters from The Great Gatsby out of these three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then I'll add Jordan slash Nick from the Gate Gat- The Great Gatsby. Those are those are the pairings. Did I cover everything? MM, FM. I guess do I need like a proper other NCT well, we band have, we... slash the green light? Oh god. <laughs> I mean I mean the the NCT fandom color is like what is it? Neo Pearl Green or oh, something? Gosh, of course so, it oh gosh, don't is. ask us. Yeah, don't ask me about that. Perfect. Okay, so I'll do You've that. Seen as their well. light sticks, though. Yeah. You know what I'm talking They're about. They're yeah, for yeah. success just like Gatsby was. Yeah. It, you and it might it. be hollow, just like Gatsby said. I don't know. We'll find out in this fic. <laughs> um, so for characters, in addition to all of the ones in the ships, um, I don't think you put Wei Wuxian in a ship, so I'm just he's got to be there as well. Um, I did say NCT, right? Not like NCT 127. You said NCT yeah. band, Reed. <laughs> Great. Fantastic. Um, then 10, also there, mm-hmm. obviously. I said obviously just because he's one of the only members outside of 127 <laughs> that I could name. Um, Nick, I think you hit every single character from The Great Gatsby whose name I remember. So okay. that's that one covered. Um, yeah, let's see. Um, I mean, there's like a whole bunch of other NCTs if you want some of them. True. No, I know. I was thinking about that. I, I'm trying to think Mark, of like, okay. Mark Lee. Oh, yes. How could I yeah, ever forget? Yeah, what is this Mark Lee? Come on. Mark Lee is obviously there. Oh, Jaehyun, also obviously there. Um, I'm going to go back. I know that I'm not allowed to do this, but I'm going to retroactively tag for a relationship. Uh, Jaehyun and Johnny, um, there's a large focus, I think, on their friendship. Excuse and I'm me? just deciding that for Nick. Pardon me? I don't go back into your categories. Well, you have, like, an anti-Jaehyun bias, and so I just didn't think he was going to get represented correctly in the relationships. <laughs> So I thought I'd throw a nice friendship frame in there. You wow, know what? Okay. We'll, we'll leave that up to interpretation of the ficlets if they want okay. to consider that relationship tag canonical or not. Okay. okay. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. It's like an additional tag. Yeah. 
and yeah, I also think for a character tag, um, I actually am going to throw in the eyes of TJ Eckleburn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, read. Oh my gosh, him. <laughs> yeah, so, so yeah, so uh, I think that's what I got for characters. I'm sorry, I'm just so bad. <laughs> I'm imagining, like, photo cards for Gatsby characters and there being one that's just, like, the eyes of TJ Eckleburn. I do like that. <laughs> the, like, rare pull, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's good. Yeah. Limited edition. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, boy. All right, so we've got additional tags now. Um, I'm going to move Reed's Johnny and Jaehyun to additional tags because I think people would get mad if it was in the characters area. Um, just looking out for that proper AO3 tagging. Okay, thank you. Um, you're so welcome. Um, okay, additional tags. Uh, let's do like the the Roaring 1920s, the Roaring 2020s. Um, oh. This is good time travel, <gasps> portals, um, modern cultivation. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. Bunnies. Bunnies. <laughs> bunnies. <laughs> <laughs> um, SM Entertainment. Mm-hmm. Canon compliant. Uh, Canon divergent, I think. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, and then that just just that ending quote from The Great Gatsby that's like the boats that beat ba- on ceaselessly, born back ceaselessly against the waves the shore, of the, the past shore, or yes. the something. <laughs> of course. <laughs> but like the actual quote, the actual not what I can quote. remember from like <laughs> high school English. Yeah, I like this because um, part of the reason I thought of The Great Gatsby is because there's that meme sort of going around Twitter that's like, what's a high school book that you read that you yeah. hated? And to be honest, I did not hate The Great Gatsby, but I was just sort of like going back in my brain about books I read in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nice, Brenna, to see that you and I have the same um, amount of recall for this book. <laughs> well, like, I I genuinely had that quote memorized in high school, but not like of my own volition just because like oh, yeah. we talked about it so much in class yeah. and like it was my teacher's like favorite book that we discussed that year mm-hmm. um so yeah lots of Gatsby yeah uh from from then I I think I think I read it like either the year the movie came out or like around that time because I remember going to see the movie with my high school friends yeah. and us all being like that wasn't very good <laughs> <laughs> because we were like unfortunately quite pretentious in high yeah. school. Um, I also saw it with friends and um the that Lana Del Rey song. Yeah. Came that that was in it. Uh that was the slow dance at my junior prom. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> I mean, like a valid choice I feel like. Yeah, very very romantic mm-hmm. as everything at junior prom was. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> oh man. Okay, are you good on tags, Bren? Yeah, I think th- I I think I've got it. Okay, so for work title, I think it needs to be "Thought You Said That You Would Always Be in Love" from the Lord song "Greenlight." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah. good. Thank you. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna s- skip past like creator because the creator is just Ficklick, um, the Ficklick <laughs> entity, and not the Ficklick Ao3 account, which does exist. Um, I'm not <laughs> ascribing that to us. Um, well, maybe someday. As- yeah, never say never. Look out. <laughs> I was going to say that, like, as with um, our previous iterations of this sort of bit that we do, mm-hmm. we're putting this into the world. But if anyone right. listening feels so inclined to bring this to life, like, please do. Mm-hmm. This is an intellectual property that we all share. The creator could um, be you. Yes. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll leave that one sort of blank and I'll creator, skip right over to summary. Creator, your name. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah. So with that, I'll, I'll skip over to summary. And I and I have an idea for a summary, and it's uh-huh. gonna be great. Right, you're good at summaries. Yes. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just remembering <laughs> what to your elf eyes see, Legolas. <laughs> Nothing good. Nothing good. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <clears throat> it's gonna be a hell of a spoiler without what... context. <laughs> I thought of one sentence, and I cannot pull myself together enough to say it. Okay. <laughs> no, you've got it. You've got it. They're between promos for their albums, and Johnny is burnt out, exhausted, overworked, on edge with the rest of his members. Just when he feels like he might be ready to walk away from it all, someone comes into his life and changes everything. Johnny could never expect that Long Wanji would have the impact on him that he did. But just when things are beginning to settle in their relationship, it's really put to a test <laughs> when NCT finds himself in the unfamiliar place of 1920s New York. Set in this unfamiliar landscape, Johnny must rely on his heart, his good friend Jayhun, <laughs> and the eyes of T.J. Elkelberg to get him through. <laughs> that's, it, that's the summary. That's the whole summary. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you were done. So fucking curse. Holy, this week is so long. <laughs> that pairing is one of the worst things that's ever happened. What do you mean? It's real romantic. You gave me. (laughs) I don't like it. When you gave me Johnny Longwenji Daisy, uh huh. How else was I gonna do anything but work the summary from there? Yeah, Yeah, I mean, bold. Um. Okay, (laughs) we've got author's notes now. Yeah. Um, At the beginning and the end. Yeah. At the beginning and the end. That's it's always gotta be. Um. Mm -hmm. So we didn't really tag for like archive warnings or anything. So I do feel like I need to include some content warnings in the author's notes. Um, So I think the author's notes will kind of start with like a... Um, we said the creator of this was your name, right? Yeah. So it's going to be like a, uh, thanks to Fit Click for this great idea. <laughs> <laughs> Good. You're so, you're so welcome, uh-huh. by the way. <laughs> you can listen to Fit, by the way, you can listen to Fit Click anywhere you yeah. get your podcasts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so that's going to be the most of the summary. Um, I just couldn't stop thinking about this amazing concept. It really captivated me. Uh, and I hope you enjoy the ride. Um, and then it's going to sort of be like a line break and then I'll yeah. be like, uh, all right, so for content warnings, let's go with graphic violence and the mob. Uh-huh. Um, and then also, mm, I don't know how to say this. Um, Hyperflexible joint? <laughs> oh, boy, I was not going to say that. Oh. Uh, like I don't like that that has to be a content warning. Like shipwreck? But like, I don't, ship feels too big. Boat, boat wreck? Kayak wreck. Um, okay. <laughs> and possible drowning. Oh yeah, that's possible for great guests. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't like you know. I, no spoilers, maybe <laughs> no spoilers. Spoilers for Great Gatsby. <laughs> Not everyone has read it, Reed. Come on, okay, Reed. well, what is the period of time in which one has to no longer give like spoiler horns? Um, because true. Also, the Great Gatsby is now like on Ao3, I think. So yeah, it is. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. Highly accessible. Well, I guess, the I guess if any of our also. like, I assume that our listeners are over the age of eighteen. But like, if mm-hmm. any of our listeners are, I guess before like their junior year of high school ish, mm-hmm. um, don't use this for your look test. Away because read the book. This, this is, is not, not the real enough. Great <laughs> <laughs> this is not a good enough summary for your essay. Yeah. 
Like, you know how your teacher will undoubtedly tell you to not use the movie, like, blah, blah, blah. Also, don't use don't Fix Clicks Podcast. Don't use the <laughs> Nick, do you want to hit us with the end notes? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, hey, everyone. Thank you so much for this ride. I know the summary made it seem like this was going to be mostly about NCT Johnny, but I hope you enjoyed the twist of it actually mostly being about Hei-chan and Shizue becoming friends. Uh, <laughs> it's really beautiful, and I think we all love an outsider POV, so getting to see, I mean... It was all I, I like to think as the author, it was always obvious that Daisy, Johnny, and Lun Wenji had a lot of chemistry. Uh, but I hope that you enjoyed seeing it from Hei Chan's point of view as he developed a friendship with someone who would become very important to him. Uh, make sure to leave a comment if you enjoyed this. Uh, leave kudos. I always smile when I see those emails. And stay tuned for my new project, uh, which is going to have four fandoms, not just three. Check my profile for it. <laughs> solid i'd like to round this out um by saying that this work is a remix translation podfictor was inspired by another work oh i'm gonna click that and uh i will link to the great gatsby version that is on ao3 <laughs> okay yeah thank you <laughs> yeah fair <laughs> wow another stellar potential fit another banger mm-hmm. good job so team. you're welcome ficklets <laughs> Also, I said your name earlier, but I think it technically would be Y slash AO3 slash N. Mm. Because <laughs> it's your AO3 name? Right, right. Yeah. Like, it wouldn't be, like, by Nicole. It'd be, like, by, like, right. click on AO3 or whatever. Mm-hmm. Unless your AO3 name is your name, in which case, congratulations. <laughs> uh, well, as NCT Johnny would say, uh, I think it's time now to kick it into our first fic conversation. Brenna, what have you got for us? Yes, so my fic for this episode is called Train That Will Take You by Bold Seer. Um, as I mentioned in the intro, this is a fic for that hit fandom, Ticket to Ride board game. Um, it's a gen fic, uh, and it's also rated gen. Um, this is the only fic in the Ticket to Ride uh, tag, so props on Bold Seer for being a visionary, because um, <laughs> this fic is very cool. The The additional tags, to give you some context, are trains, travel, and POV second person. Um, this is a second person fic uh, from like within the world of the game. In case you're unfamiliar with uh, Ticket to Ride board game, um, it's a very good board game. I would highly recommend it in in which you build train routes across North America. So the continental United States and Canada. Um, basically, your objective is to build like various routes from one point to another from like major cities. So you kind of draw these cards. It might have a route from like L.A. to St. Louis. And you might also have a card that's like New York to Ottawa. And you have to build be building these. And like once you complete them, you can get new cards, etc. I think this fic does a really good job of being both realistically in the world of the game, um, where the people are experiencing kind of what you're doing as a player of it, and really kind of embracing the meta aspect of also kind of being self-aware that it is a game that's being played. Um, yeah, it's a pretty short fic. It's just over 1k. Um, we're honestly probably going to say more words about it than there are words in the fic, but like, hey, that's what's fun about this pod. Um, as a side note, this fic does not have any content warnings. Um, it's really just about trains. Yeah, so I have some things I want to get to with it. But first, I'm curious to hear what my co-hosts thought. 
I had a lot of fun with this fic. I have never played Ticket to Ride, but I have seen the game with my eyes in person. Not while it was being played, just like in the box. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so I felt connected in that way. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. It was really interesting. It was definitely... I I have read one fic based on a board game before. It was chess <laughs> that we discussed on the pod. Uh, super, super different fix. Um, I thought the writing style was really good. I really enjoyed that. I thought that the ways it took the board game and tried to put it into reality and make some parts mesh, but also allowed for this weird, uncanny, unsettling almost arch narrative was really interesting. I thought it did a lot of really cool stuff with the source material in a short space. Um, and it seemed like the author, like, I, I just love it when you can feel like an author really enjoys what they're writing about. Like, this author has played and enjoyed Ticket to Ride, I think, at least one time, but I would wager probably more than that. Um, and that just made me really happy. Like, that's one of my favorite things about fic when you read it and you can just feel how jazzed someone is about what they're doing. Uh, and I thought that came through really, really well in this fic. Yeah, I think that's all the other stuff I have to say. I feel like I have to go off for like five minutes, so I'll do that later. <laughs> Yeah, this fic was like a fun challenge almost because not only have I never seen the board game with my eyes inside the box, I had never heard of it before Brenna was like, this is the fic that I'm bringing. Um, I had absolutely no context and um, contrary to my normal way of reading fic where I don't know anything, I did not do a bunch of research. I thought, I'm just going to read this and see how it goes. Um, and I thought it was really fun. Like, as Nick said, I think it is very clear that this author has played this game a lot, and the way that that came through for me was that I was able to pick up, if not every little bit, like I was able to pick up a lot, I think, of the mechanics of how this game is played. Um, this fic exists in, as we've sort of alluded to, a fun middle space of both treating the game as though it is real for its characters and also acknowledging that it is a game. Um, and so in those sort of acknowledgements, I picked up like, okay, like, I think I sort of have a sense maybe for how this game works and how it could make some like very weird railroads or like uh, train tracks for like people to go on and like how that might manifest if you're treating it kind of seriously. Um, so that was fun. I enjoyed that I felt like I got a pretty good sense of how the game worked without knowing anything about it. Um, and I'm also just a fan of playing in that weird middle space of treating it seriously and also acknowledging like this is a board game um and i think the ways in which the characters talked about it was very fun so yeah i appreciated that i think this fic went out on a limb to do something like a little bit weird and different and i mean that in a good way like it's unexpected and the unexpectedness of it worked well for me yeah so i think like one way to kind of get into this fic uh and the discussion of it is to talk about what we've kind of mentioned of it sort of middle liminal space of it all um i want to read just like kind of the beginning uh paragraph because i think it will help you all get a sense of what we mean um so it kind of starts by listing a few people who are like in this train car with you and you are a passenger um and then it goes the train had stopped you had made it to phoenix from santa fe and to el paso from phoenix it seemed the longer route two-thirds of a triangle but you didn't mind Time passed in a different manner when you were traveling. On the tracks, it slowed down, then sped up, going faster and faster in an invisible sort of way, until you were at your destination, quite suddenly. 
Um, so in like a lot of the fic is written kind of with this tone of like you, the passenger, are very much in this world and you are affected in this world by the decisions that the outside person playing the game is making. Um, this sort of alludes to both the fact that like the routes are kind of weird often in this game. They aren't necessarily like the logical choice you like I would make when I was traveling from like one place to another. They're not even necessarily like, oh, well, that's the scenic route. They might just be like a weird route. Um, and also the fact that like these routes are created as you put down your little like board game pieces so it might stop for a while while it's like not your turn or like while you work on a different route and then you might put down like four pieces and it will like go really fast and suddenly you'll be there um and I kind of just like loved that aspect of it where the actions that the person outside is taking like very much affect the people inside but the people inside are also like used to it it's not like they like they know nothing else this is their world kind of uh but also sometimes you get the sense that like they're aware that it's weird. <laughs> um, I'll let someone else get into that so I'm not the only one talking, but I think, um, yeah, like, it's, it's, it was just a really interesting point of view and, like, an interesting way to kind of conceptualize these characters who, like, have no real choice or, like, agency over their actions um, and how they kind of deal with that and, like, their levels of consciousness about their world versus the fact that their world is controlled by, like, people sitting around a board game. So one of the things I really loved about the world building of this fic is that the author populated it with like individual characters. And to my knowledge, I think, I, am I right in that there's not like individual characters that ride the trains in the game? Uh, I don't believe so. I mean, there's various versions of this. so I don't know if there's mm. a version where that's true, but mm. what I've played, no. Okay, great. Um, well, because I like that, like, not only are there characters populating it and they're, like, different outfits and stuff, um, but there's also these characters have different feelings about the way that this world operates. There's this one woman who's basically anti-establishment, like, why should it have to be like this? We don't know where we're going. Don't Doesn't that seem unfair to you? Doesn't that seem wrong to you? I love that there's this, like, mini revolution within this 1000 word fic <laughs> that it just it colors it so well because this fic is gen there's not a driving romance or anything um we don't really get character names um so it's certainly not a character study like this is a world study uh and the world building is the focus of this fic so i really appreciated how effectively i think it was done by the author and that piece in particular uh, this woman looking at her flyer or whatever that's like down with the system uh, later totally contrasted by the old man who's like this is all I've ever known this is just the way that it is you get on and you trust that wherever you go is where you need to end up I just really loved those opposing viewpoints and everything we got in between yeah so one thing I thought was kind of interesting is like how sometimes the characters are like aware of like the rules of their world. Um, like there's a line where it goes, two trains aren't able to pass each other, the young woman pointed out, as though it isn't safe. If there are four competing trains, the rules change. Of course, it was never about safety, but necessity. That was the game. Those were the rules. Um, so it's just like an interesting combination of like how the characters like this is their world they're not like oh and i came to play this game yeah but the way that they think about like the rules of their world and the fact that like it's kind of seen as a game by like the narrator in some context like it's just really interesting i've never read a fic like this where there's so many kind of competing layers almost of narrative um and and like because you as a reader 
understand these different layers. Like, the world kind of exists between them all, between, like, the layer of people playing the game, the game existing on its own as, like, a piece of media, and then also, like, the hypothetical characters <laughs> on these trains in the game, uh, and, like, the the... And the narrative of this fic kind of accepts all of those and moves between them. See, when I was reading this fic, I went on a similar but also kind of wildly different uh, train of thought. Train of thought, <laughs> pun, really not intended. <laughs> uh, like a half second before I said it, I was like, oh, this is horrible, but I didn't really know what else to say, so I just kept going with it. Um, anyway, it. before I even read the fic... The title is Train That Will Take You, and the summary is You Sat Yourself Down With Your Hopes and Hoped. And I was like, is this an Inception reference? Because, um, I, okay, for clarity, I do not think it is, but um, in case you've never watched the movie Inception, there is a repeated through line of this phrase, um, you're waiting for a train, a train that will take you far away. You know where you hope the train will take you, but you can't know for sure, yet it doesn't matter. And so I was just sort of thinking about that as I was reading the fic. Um, and as we've just been talking about this intersection between, like, the meta of the game and this, like, weird liminal space that the characters in the fic live in and also, like, what they can and can't control, I was kind of thinking back again to, like, Inception and how that line comes from um, two characters who are stuck sort of in, in the deepest level of the subconscious where there are no rules and they are creating the world around them. Um, but sort of the closer they come back to the waking world, the more rules they have to play in. Um, I don't know. There's a half-formed thought there that I am still trying to work through, but it does kind of weirdly feel like, I do not think the author intended this at all, but it does feel like there are some parallels there between like mm -hmm. when the characters are the most entrenched in the world of the game, like when they're not sort of questioning the strangeness of it all, it seems like maybe how this exists is normal and then sort of the the closer they get to the meta of the game the more there are like hold on there are there are literal rules in place like the rules of the board game um except unlike the characters of inception they have no control over it it is just sort of the omniscient player um i don't know i once again i, I don't think this was like an intentional thing but it is an interesting sort of um parallel for me to think about yeah, I mean, kind of going off of that, one thing that I thought was really interesting about this is sort of, like, the levels of kind of consciousness and agency that these, like, characters have. Um, not to be horribly on brand, but, like, also to be horribly <laughs> on brand. Um, it did make me think of Westworld a little bit. Um, if you've seen season one of Westworld, you'll know what I mean. But um, basically, there's a repeated scene throughout the first season of people on a train pulling into Sweetwater, I think the town is. Um, and basically every time like the game resets um, or like we as a viewer kind of reset, like every time Dolores's narrative resets, it starts again with the same sound and the same train pulling into the same train station. But it's also how people who are playing in Westworld, like how the visitors uh, get into the park. They take this train from the like visitor place where they get all their little outfits and costumes and all the rules uh, and they take that like into the park to actually start like their adventure with the hosts um 
and on the train is a mix of people who are visitors, people who are coming to play in the park, and then also hosts who are the like sentient. Mm, they're, well, they're not that sentient yet. Um, <laughs> and the hosts who are like the AI uh, androids who occupy it and like populate the park. Um, so it's kind of this interesting mix of people who are aware of what's going on and people who, well, not really people, but like <laughs> AIs who don't know anything but like the fiction of Westworld. So this kind of made me think of that too in that in these sort of layers of like who gets the privilege of understanding the full narrative um and like who is kind of just in the game and doesn't really realize it's a game. Um and just kind of also like I like the image of the train as kind of this repeating thing. It happens again and again. It travels the same route again and again. I think that was very clearly used in Westworld, but it, I think it also happens here too. Like there's a lot of talking about where you're going on this journey, but the thing about trains is like they can only go so far, then they're going to turn around and come back. Um, like that's kind of just how trains work. So I think that that's an interesting thing too. Like when you get on a train, like I'm going from like, LA to San Francisco or something. I, I'm not because I drive, but like, <laughs> hypothetically, I'm going from one place to another. Like uh -huh. I have a destination. But like with these characters, like we don't really know, like, are they trying to go somewhere? Are they, uh, are they going to get off? Are they coming back? Like that question of the purpose of their journey is always at play, I think, which is really interesting. Well, that's really interesting because now I'm thinking about how when I first read this, I took it as, like, the young woman who's, like, doubtful and the one who's, like, why does it have to be like this, blah, blah, blah. Um, like, she was sort of pushing back against the idea that she could tell there was a larger meta that didn't make sense within her world. But now I'm thinking about, like, what if, like, she is the version of, like, a host in Westworld and, like, this is the role that she always plays? Like, one of the characters in this fic is the old man who it says he's lived half his life, like maybe literally on trains. Um, and so you could imagine him as one of the hosts who keeps running through this same path over and over and over again. But like, I only watched a couple episodes of Westworld, so like, I really don't know. But part of the show, at least from what I gathered, is like, they build some of the narratives for the hosts to push back against the way that things like seem to be like everything is very carefully plotted out but they build it in such a way that it feels like real and diverse and whatever for the visitors and so maybe even in this fic the woman who is questioning why they are in a board game and like why things are the way they are like maybe this is just a scripted narrative for her that she doesn't know that she's run through dozens of times before I don't know. Now this is giving me like Ominous. an existential crisis. <laughs> no, Reed, I love that thought. I think that's really interesting. Like, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, like the the sensation we get from like the woman of her understanding it's a game, I think, is not something Westworld would ever write in for their hosts. But like the idea <laughs> that like one character's narrative might be to kind of be like against the certain system is very real. Like, you'd want a diversity of kind of opinions and thoughts to make it feel realistic for the visitor. Not everyone's going to feel the same way about something. So not everyone's going to be like, yes, I love traveling by train. Like, there's going to be a narrative of some passenger on there who doesn't like the way the trains run and doesn't isn't happy with this it because that's sucks. much more like real world. <laughs> um, yeah. And so I think like that's a really interesting thought about like we kind of you can read this as her having a little bit more like consciousness and awareness of like the meta aspects of her world or maybe it's just a smarter 
world than we thought. And like, that's also scripted in to make it feel realistic for like, either quote, the you, the passenger of this, or like the you, the reader, us outside of the narrative. Ho, ho, ho. <laughs> <laughs> Much to think about. Well, uh, aside from Westworld, which I have not seen, <laughs> though I do feel like when they released the first episode, all of the writers and producers probably were like, Brenna's going to love this. <laughs> like just talking to each other like, oh, you know that, you know that viewer Brenna? <laughs> She's going to be stoked. <laughs> it really is like a wildly perfect combination of so many of your interests (laughs) i know it's kind of hearing you talk about it like like the later seasons did disappoint me greatly those were not made for viewer brenna but season one was totally made for viewer brenna absolutely (laughs) they had their little like thing on the whiteboard that was like (laughs) brenna meter (laughs) like every episode they're like we have to fill the meter uh anyway (laughs) I can only assume based on the I can premise. only assume. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, if anyone listening happens to know any of the writers of Westworld and would like to either confirm or deny whether or not yeah, they had please. a Brenna meter in their, like, writer's room, yeah. Yeah. please get I back to us. yes, but... I assume it, like, goes, like, not just the writer's room, but, like, when, yeah. um, when like, the creators sat down, like, yeah. I assume, like, Jonathan Nolan and Lisa Joy were, like, Brenna meter, like, when they first started <laughs> writing it. <laughs> When they pitched it, they were like, here's our pitch. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Like, going into the HBO, like, conference room or whatever. (laughs) Brenna will promote this show in a podcast someday, so it's actually a good investment. On set, like, behind the cameras, they have a sign that's like, remember Brenna? also, let's air this (laughs) while Brenna's actively taking a college course on cyborgs. (laughs) Just for that full impact. Exactly. Yeah. Gosh, good times, good times. Uh, anyway, uh, to get to ride. <laughs> no, I was just like, as I was reading, I was definitely thinking about trains in general and their role in narrative media. Um, it did bring me back quite a lot to reading Murder on the Orient Express, <laughs> which is a super different vibe from this fan fiction, obviously. But um, that and then we also were talking about Murder on the Rockport Limited, which is an arc of the actual play D&D podcast, The Adventure Zone, their balance arc. Um, and just thinking about how, like, travel in general is its own bottleneck for narrative in a lot of ways, because you have people who are stuck together who can't really go anywhere. The road trip, the plane ride, but trains give you a lot more mobility, and they feel similar to boats to me in that sense, I guess. Again, thinking about Agatha Christie, you know that one where they're, like, on a yacht or whatever? Um, I don't remember the name of it. I'm sure there's more (laughs) than one. Sorry, listeners. I last... (laughs) read this in like a high school (laughs) but there is there's an element of mobility and there is such a culture around it like I could totally picture what they were wearing and stuff as they were on the train and you know you imagine like the suitcases in their hands as they're getting on there's something so special about a story on a train and I was just thinking about that and thinking about how this fic is not a story on a train but it's a story about stories on trains in a lot of ways And I thought that was really, really cool. And I don't know, I like it when I'm reading something and there's this cultural touchstone that makes me think of so many other things as I'm reading too. It like really expands the reading experience. I feel like the fact that we've brought in multiple different medias just in the course of this conversation (laughs) is kind of a testament to that. Yeah. Can I add another one that I thought of when you were talking earlier, Reed? 
Oh, sure. Okay, I'm gonna. Um, uh-huh. I've said on this pod before, I haven't read a lot of Marvel fic in my life. Most of it has been for this podcast. But one that I remember reading from like a really long time ago was a whip that, to my knowledge, never got finished. Um, that was Steve Tony, which was weird because I like actively disliked them when I was like peripherally aware of the fandom. But it was one of the only fics I ever read uh, that was an Inception AU where Tony was a shade. <laughs> It was a hell of a plot twist. Like the last chapter before it stopped updating. Again, this was like maybe 2013. Um, So 2014, maybe. I know because it was right around when I watched Inception. And I think that was 2014. Um, Right before it stopped updating that last chapter. uh, I think it might have been Clint Barton was like, Steve, you have to let Tony go. And then Steve, like, realized that he was a shade, and I was like, oh my god. Anyway, that's just what I was thinking about as you were talking about Inception. <laughs> I was kind of ready for you to be like, and they were on a train, no. like, the, la- <laughs> la- it's the not- last layer of Steve's no. consciousness wasn't, like, the house that, like, Dom has, it's, like, the train, like, Steve's no, on No, that's why whatever. I didn't say it earlier, it has nothing to do with trains, I was just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It does feel fitting for, like, an Inception fic to end on a cliffhanger like that. Yeah. Right. And just never be updated again. Like maybe that's performance art. Oh, true. Oh, it also might have point. been updated. It's been seven years. Hmm. Maybe longer. I don't know if it updated recently when I had read it. <laughs> also, if it was just to go on a slight hypothetical here, mm-hmm. um, if it was a Steve Bucky fic, uh, I think it would have been fitting for like the la- last layer of Steve's consciousness. <laughs> oh, train. no. Train. And that's where Bucky's like trapped wow. by Steve's consciousness. We're giving the ficlets all kinds of free ideas. Yeah. All right. So now that we've gone on many tangents about other train-related media, <laughs> um, we took the long not, way. Not train-related media. We definitely took the long way. Um, I'm gonna wrap up our thoughts here on "Train That Will Take You" by Bold Seer. Um, a super inventive little fic. Always a joy to read about an unexpected fandom. Um, I think this is a fun thing to read, whether or not you've played Ticket to Ride board game, um, and definitely gives you a lot to think about, especially in terms of meta and layers of narrative. So my fic for this episode is called Weight of Heaven by Huarium. It is a 17 band fic, and the pairing is Junghan Seungchol. Um, it is like 10K-ish, uh, but it also has an extended author's note that's linked in the end notes that I would highly recommend everyone read in addition to the fic, because I think there's a lot in there that is great for the reading experience. And there's like extra scenes and references and just like liner notes and it's pretty cool. We'll talk about that later, I'm sure. Um, Content warning wise, I don't have any like major content warnings or anything like explicit. There's definitely a lot of angst in this fic and it takes the premise and plays it out as realistically as it can in a lot of different ways. So just FYI, Uh, but we'll, we'll talk about a lot of that as we go. No like major content warnings otherwise. Um, yeah, so the premise of this fic I'm super excited to talk about because I think it's really interesting and it's why I wanted to bring it. The idea is that when someone says something about you and they mean it, there's a chance that it will show up on your skin as like kind of like a tattoo. Uh, the word will just appear 
in text that like reflects the way it was said kind of which i think is cool um anywhere on your body and this fic is canon compliant in well can canon compliant with magic obviously um <laughs> uh, to the real world so they are still idols in the band 17 and as you can imagine people say a lot of really passionate things about them so this fic is mostly about Han grappling with being an idol um being in a band dealing with what people are saying about him the fans his members the staff members and like management of their company um and trying to maintain a front in a lot of ways um but it's not that easy as he finds out throughout the course of this fic um you know also some illicit romance and some friendship all the good stuff in there that you would want to see in a fic so i think there's just so much to love and so much to dig into here um two other quick notes and then i'll set my co-host loose on it uh first (laughs) first is that this fic was written for the bleak boy band bingo fest which i have um a lot of fondness for and a lot of feelings about it is a fest that was run by a couple of members of k-pop fandom not specific to any group so like anyone can write about any group for it and there are a bunch of squares that specifically are basically angst topics that are particularly about being an idol in this world uh, i think they raise a lot of interesting questions and just like twisted the knife in a way that i was really into not to be a fan of angst um well i am though I just thought it was great and I was really excited to see a lot of the works that came out of it. I thought they were really interesting and really thoughtful and I think this fic covered a lot of ground and a lot of squares and did them in a way that I thought was really effective. And also this fic was recommended by friend of the pod C, so thank you for recommending this. Uh, you really you really got me. I was getting into the fandom <laughs> and they were like, "What about this?" and I was like, "Okay, and boy, am I in it now." <laughs> So yeah, that's the overview. Um, I would love to hear what my co-hosts with varying levels of knowledge about this band thought about this fic. Yeah, wow. Oh my god, this fic. Um, On the spectrum of 17 knowledge, Nick is all the way in it. Nick's Nick's a true carrot. Um, I like them a lot. I'd like to learn more about them. My attention span these days is tragically small, and so I have not really delved into them, but like, I know... Certainly more than Brenna. Um, Yeah, I'm obsessed with this fic concept. I think it is phenomenal. I think it is tragic, which is perfect for bleak boy band bingo. Something that I really liked about this fic um, is that I felt very in step with the author for a lot of it in the sense that I would have a thought like, oh, well, if this is like canon idol verse um, and if, like, fans can interact in such and such way, like, couldn't it be taken to, like, these extremes? And then a couple scenes later in the fic, the author sort of explicitly details, like, those sort of things happening. Um, I do feel like in this fic, inherently, there was a little bit of, like, a, if not a criticism, a look at the, literally, the idolization of people and sort of the fan idol interaction and what it means to sort of sell yourself as a person. Um... This fic had a lot to say about it, and it felt very much like the author and I probably have had similar thoughts and ruminations and conversations with our friends. Um, So I definitely resonated a lot, I think, with what this fic was trying to say. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I mean, as someone who has said that I love 
soulmates, I feel like this is sort of like you take soulmates to like soul mark, like words on body, and then you go like an extra step and make it even more horrible to think about. And like you end up here. Um, I had written a note to myself when I was reading this that was like, I feel like I always crave more canon Idolverse fix within K-pop. And then I forget sometimes how like absolutely bone deep, awful and devastating it is when authors really dig in to exactly what that world could look like. That's why we need more of it. <laughs> oh, yes, absolutely. Um, this all to say that I really loved it. It was a brutal fic and a really interesting concept. And I know that we all have a whole lot to say about it. So I'll stop talking and let Brenna talk about it now. <laughs> um sure yes as has been mentioned i do not know k-pop group 17 particularly well um i mean i'm familiar with them i'm familiar with their work <laughs> some of their songs are bangers and i do have them on my playlists um but i am not super familiar with the different members luckily i do know the two that were central here um like i could picture them in my head quite clearly which is always really helpful um but yeah like the side characters like the other members who they're talking to especially because a lot of the names here were like not the names I've seen like online and on Twitter and stuff um like they're not their stage names they're their like given Korean names um I just ran with it I didn't bother looking up people most of the time like I was like they're just talking to one of their members and it's gonna be interchangeable for me unfortunately uh because I don't like I don't know their personalities well enough for it to really like, matter to my reading, they can kind of just be OCs for me, and that works. Um, uh, but that being said, um, yeah, this fic totally hit, even with my limited 17 knowledge. Um, I mean, yeah, kind of like Reed said, we are all big fans of, like, Idolverse fix, so like canon verse, canon compliant, canon divergent, um, canon with a dash of something else, which this one was. <laughs> <laughs> I love anything that kind of uses like AU elements. So here, like the words on body or soulmates or soul bonds or like dream sharing, visions, anything like that to kind of heighten the angst and like heighten the emotional tension that already kind of exists within canon, um, or at least like our head cannons about the real world <laughs> like I don't know these people but like in my brain there's a certain version of them and then when when authors use little brought in elements like this to really like heighten the emotions of a situation or of a relationship like that's one of my favorite things to read regardless of fandom so <laughs> yeah love that um this concept's so cool I have not read anything like this before um but I want to now <laughs> um Unfortunately, we have made a lot of jokes about this concept <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, so we might have ruined ourselves for it a little bit. It's so well done in this fic and, like, is so devastating at some moments and just, like, deeply fucked up also, um, but then unfortunately also funny to me now. Well, like, there's potential for hilarity. yeah. Long-time listeners of the pod will know that um, one of our favorite pastimes is bullying each other. And so we were just talking right. about, like, <laughs> what if we say something just, like, offhand? Um, like, I was berating Nick for making horrible swallowing sounds into the mic. And then I just kept going, bad mouth sounds, bad mouth sounds. Like, if I kept saying it enough, it might show up on her skin. <laughs> so that's, I think, what Brenna means by um, taking a very devastating concept uh -huh. and just making it, like, funny and cursed. 
Yeah, like, this pic does kind of nod its head to that a little bit. There's a scene where, like, they run into Monster X and, like, mm-hmm. they're talking about how, like, Wanho is trying to get, like, best <laughs> bicep on his arm or something. Oh, no, no, no. Breno, please. Specifically, uh, he is trying to get world's number one sexy man on his bicep. Oh, well, yeah, yeah, please. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's way better. <laughs> um, but, like, that is inherently really funny. But then that coupled with how devastating Jonghyun's experience of these words are... Oh boy! And I think, honestly, it's even more powerful because the concept could be funny. (laughs) Like, I think that kind of dichotomy really actually works great for me. Um, Yeah, I definitely have thoughts about this, especially how it, like, uh, filled some of its bleak boy band bingo squares and the way it went with those, like, tropes and concepts I thought was excellent. Um, So I'm excited to get into it. Yeah, I think... One of my favorite things about this fic is how much it has to say about shame, because Idolverse fic in general, and fic about fame of any sort, does deal a lot in a personal image, a public brand, and having that need to look a certain way and be presented a certain way to the general public. And if the private world is different, the private world is different. And I think this premise blows a lot of holes in the separation because you can't really hide even things that were said to you in private. And Jungkook spends a lot of time trying. He spends a lot of time succeeding too. Uh, Even his own members haven't seen some of the words on his body, uh, despite this really intense closeness that they have both emotionally, but also physically pre-debut 13 plus members sharing one dorm Uh, sharing one bathroom like it's hard to get any semblance of privacy Uh, but Jonghan has to as a form of self-preservation so that he can hide these things that he is ashamed that people have said about him Uh, there's also the piece of him really really having this horrible curiosity about who said certain things about him and I say horrible because you really don't get the sense that he wants to know but he can't help but wonder um I think something really interesting about this fic is just that it it does the work of taking someone else's internal world of what they believe about you and making that public so that you know and other people know that they meant what they said. And then it also forces Jonghan in this case, but really everyone in this fic, to take on these things as kind of parts of their personality. They draw strength from a lot of these words. It's not all negative, but the negative ones tend to linger. Uh, And especially, especially as an idol where you want to show off the good words. You want to show off the nice ones and the interesting ones. You want to prove how loved you are. And then that will then breed more love. How do you deal with that when there's so much that is not loved? I don't know. I just find it really, really, really interesting that this fic chose to explore those themes in the way that it did. Well, Nick, I had two thoughts going off of what you just said. Um, When you were saying that Jonghyun sort of has the thought where he wants to know maybe, like, what words come from what people, but does he really? Um, There's a really devastating scene set pre-debut in which a lot of Jonghyun's pre-debut experience is quite bad. Um, he was recruited for his looks and knows that singing and dancing are weak points of his, that he's not as strong as his other team members. And he knows that explicitly because there is a scene where he's like, I think in an elevator or something with a couple of the staff members of Pledis who tell him like, you're working hard, you're doing a good job. And he lets himself feel good about it 
And then that night he's awoken by new words being um, sort of like tattooed onto his skin that are like weak point, like risk, like complacent, not ready yet. Um, And so he knows exactly who's saying that. And he knows that those words that they said to him mean nothing, which is horrible. Um, And something I was thinking about, like with the very concept of this fic and that is so present is um, it's like very standard in fandom these days to talk about the mortifying ordeal of being known. Um, but the, that phrase came from an article, I think in the New York times by someone who was talking about like a concept his friend had come up with, um, where you walk down a staircase and you hear everything that has ever been said about you. And, um, at the bottom are all of the like nicest, most wonderful, like intimate things that people have said to you. But first you have to wade through all of the horrible things first. Like all of the bad stuff is on top. Um, I would not even think about approaching that staircase. I would be running in the opposite direction. Absolutely no thank you. Um, But unfortunately for the people of this, like, universe, you just get pushed down that staircase. You don't have an option. Like, you are going to hear every thought that people have about you. And not only are you going to hear it, but it's going to be on your skin for everyone else to see too. And that, I think, is even more horrifying than the concept of the mortifying ordeal of being known. Yeah, unfortunately, I would walk down that staircase. Like, I know that about myself. <laughs> the curiosity is always going to win out for me. And would I feel horrible while doing it? Yes, but I think I would still walk down it. But I think I would have... I was thinking about this while reading this fic. I think I'd have a really hard time existing in this world where, like, it's not my choice whether or not I know these things. They just happen to me, like, regardless. Um and like not wanting to look at them, but also devastatingly always wanting to look at them. Ugh, it's it's so bad to think about. <laughs> um, but yeah, one of my favorite aspects of this fic is like Jung Hun's relationship with the words on his body versus like the words on other people's bodies. Um, like he pays such close attention to the words that he sees appear on his members' bodies, and like especially the positive ones, and he remembers them to like repeat to them when they're feeling down or when them or when they're doubting themselves. Um, and yet he doesn't want to show anyone, like, all the words on his body. Like, he always wears a t-shirt, even in this room of, like, 13 boys, because he has words, like, on his torso that he doesn't want anyone to see. Um, and then that coupled also with, like, how in this fic... So there's a scene where we learn, like, kind of why jung Hun wanted to be an idol, and he, like, sees this performance of Jae-jung and like, on his back through this, like, see-through shirt are, like, all of these words, like, all of these loving, amazing words, and he thinks, like, how much he wants that, and that's a driving motivation to, for him to, like, join Pletus, like, to be an idol, and then to know as a reader that he does have loving, amazing words on him, but, like, a lot of those come from, like, the way that he's been told to look and act by the the management company um and then also a lot of them are like negative and bad and he knows someone meant that about him or multiple people meant that about him um and i think that's that was like reading that scene where we learned like why jung Hun wanted to be an idol was kind of one of the worst parts of the fic for me just in terms of like emotional devastation because it's so fucked up that like he just wanted this love so badly and he saw that idols get it and he does have it but like is the love he's getting even for the things that he really is or for is, is it for like the manufactured version of himself and instead like he gets hate for like the way he actually is like his lack of talent in these things like the way that he would be if he didn't 
like ascribed to being like a good idol in all of these ways that like management has trained him anyway it's horrible yeah not to like absolutely scream on this podcast because i my microphone's a little too sensitive for that just imagine me screaming okay okay i screamed um (laughs) (laughs) in my heart i did but just like oh man yeah exactly what you're saying bren of wanting to be loved so badly and then from the outside like he is and and the way that it manifests is so insidious like it's making me think of the scene where he's live streaming and a bunch of fans all get together to chant 17's angel yun jonghan and the phrase shows up around his neck live on stream and like for a while it's all he's asked about they change his hair so it's more visible it's like the center of everything it's it's a gift he's so grateful for it because he has to be you can't like that's isn't that what he wanted and yet like ooh, it's it, it being around his neck is really it's that's that's a hell of an allegory you know um and like that's that's his nickname or at least it was um in in this world as well though to my knowledge doesn't have it tattooed on his neck Um, (laughs) i think you would probably know (laughs) i I, I kind of hope not uh but like that scene in particular like the scenes that are the most devastating to me are the ones where we know exactly where the word came from uh which is that one and then it's the scene later on where he and sung chol are fighting uh which i almost i'm nervous to get into it because i have so many feelings about it uh I'm kind of obsessed with that scene, honestly. It's so good. Should I just do it? Go for it. Okay, yeah. I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to do it. Okay, so throughout this fic, um, Sung Chol is the leader of Seventeen. Um, he's the eldest. Jung Han is the same age as him, basically. They're like a few months apart, but Sung Chol carries a lot of the responsibilities of liaising between the team and management and trying to keep them all afloat as best he can. Um, he has a lot of really, really positive words on him and that seems to buoy him. Um, we get, we don't get this explicitly, but there is kind of an undercurrent of envy from Han that I found really, really interesting throughout this fic because they also are like hooking up through a lot of it. We don't get a lot of it on screen, so it's hard to say exactly the shape of their relationship, but we know pretty clearly that Sung Chol has pretty strong feelings for Jung Han, at least by the end of the fic. Jung Han is a bit of a mystery. <laughs> uh, he's deeply in denial, so you get the sense that he also has really strong feelings, but that he has absolutely no interest in sitting down and looking at them for what they are. Uh, there's a really good scene of him and Joshua where they're talking about, like, oh, like, I thought you and Sung Chol were, like, totally dating. Uh, and Jung Han's like, no, he's my co-worker. <laughs> it's like, ooh, yikes. Uh, not great. So you get the sense as you're reading that um, whatever's happening with Jung Han and Sung Chol is probably going to have to get worse before it gets better because they are just not looking at, like, it's like the what are we conversation, you know what I mean? Uh, kids these days DTRing, defining the relationship. Uh, <laughs> oh wow, you both made such such disparaging faces. <laughs> I'm just trying to be hip. Well, uh huh. Keeping the podcast with the times. You are actively alienating, like maybe the entirety of Gen Z with that one. And like sentence. the thing is, you're the most Gen Z of the three of us. <laughs> yeah, so, like, which is wild. 
<laughs> sorry, sorry. It, it's, you know, how, like, you know that trend on TikTok? <laughs> where, um, I'm not on TikTok. I don't know the trends. <laughs> so they have to figure out how they're going to define their relationship. Um, <laughs> and what happens is, so... They're, they have words that are showing up on each other, and specifically Sung Chol has said words that have shown up on Jung Han. Um, the word mine showed up, which was like, what? Eek! Uh, which resulted in a conversation with the vice president of the company and Jung Han having to be like, so sorry. <laughs> uh, I'll focus on what's important, like blah, blah, blah. But um, the turning point of it all, when they can't really ignore it any longer, or at least Sung Chol refuses to, is Jung Han's solo song. Uh, so we get a little montage of him trying to figure out what to write about. He's like, I've never been in love. I don't know how to write about love. Like, I never write lyrics. Uh, he gets he gets a lot of fun, different advice from people. And he writes his song. And line for line, the entire thing shows up on Sung Chul's body as he performs it for the first time. <sighs> Just imagine me screaming again really quickly. Okay, thank you. It was a short <laughs> one. Uh, <laughs> short, but full of feeling. Uh, anyway, so Sung Chul's like, hey, I know you like me. I like you. Let's get together. Uh, which, reasonable of him. Unfortunately, Jung Han is like so not on that page. And it ends up being like a really difficult stilted conversation where Sung Chul eventually has to be like, I know, like this whole song showed up on my body. I know. And Jung Han is like, what if I said the answer is no? And that halts everything in its place. Ooh, like I got chills the first time I read that. And at the end of the conversation, Jung Han just walks away. And as he's walking away, Sung Chul calls him cruel. And that word shows up on his body. And I think that's one of my favorite scenes in the entire fic of just that specific moment where the worst word is not from someone who doesn't know him. It's not from someone who is mistaking something about him or misunderstanding him. It's someone who saw him in an extremely vulnerable moment, who kind of cornered him into an extremely vulnerable moment, who knows him better than anybody else, and who said that and meant it enough for it to show up on Jung Han's skin. I think, like, one of the worst things about that scene for me is that, like, Jung Han was kind of being cruel. Like, it's kind of what you were saying, Nick, about it. it's not from someone who doesn't know him. It's not from, like, aunties. <laughs> yeah. It's not from, the com- like, the management or the company who's, like, frustrated with him or a choreographer who doesn't think that he's dancing well enough. Um, all those things could be, like, worked on or justified, like, kind of to Junghun by himself, even if he feels really terrible about it. Like, this one he knows is true. And, like, it's it's also, like, kind of how the scene went down, which I think is what's really fascinating about it. It's not an unjustified thing for Sung Chul to have said. Um, and like Jung Han, as he's saying kind of what he's saying to uh, Sung Chul, like he's doing it to push him away. Like he has to kind of be cruel to like get his point across, but it's not a nice conversation. He's not letting him down in a friendly way. Like he's kind of tried and Sung Chul's like, I know you feel this way about me. Like it's on my body. And that's when Jung Han is kind of like, not gonna fucking happen though um and like it is cruel I don't know that's kind of what I loved about the scene is that like we've we kind of talked like in our pre-discussion about the fact that these words don't have to be true they just have to be meant Mm. um but that one in that instance was true and meant and I think that's what makes it terrible well also when you take that scene and then you think about the follow-up that is in the extended author's Mm -hmm. notes um that Nick mentioned there is a scene where um, Sung Chul says, like, show me, and he sort of, like, 
pushes at the fabric of Jung Hen's shorts until he can see on his thigh, cruel. And he says, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. And Jung Hen goes, you meant it. That's how words work. And like, not only is that a really devastating contrast to the scene in which he gets the word, but I think it helps highlight like part of why this AU um, is so pointed or like, I don't know. I mean, I think it would be different if the words that show up on your skin said something intrinsically like true about you. And I think there's like a lot of potential for devastation in just that. But the gulf between what is true and what is meant can sometimes be very wide, especially like depending on how a person feels in one moment. And so like, yes, in that moment, Sung Chul meant it. And yes, also in this like extended scene we get, he didn't mean it at all. And like, he would never think something like that about Zhang Han. And so I think the world of this AU gives like authors so much room to play with that specific thing of like saying something because you know it will hurt someone. And like, maybe like you're not a bad person. Maybe that person is someone you care about very much. But in that moment, like, I don't know, there's a lot of, like, metaphors or whatever in fic about, like, using words as weapons, like, knowing that you're gonna, like, dig the knife in or whatever, and, like, in this AU, it's like, ooh, let's make that really, really present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Reed, I'm glad you mentioned the extended author's note, because that was one of the reasons I really wanted to bring this fic, actually. I think it's, it's something that I've seen more in Seventeen fandom than I have anywhere else, where authors will write something, usually on Dreamwhip about the writing process, references they use, sometimes deleted scenes. This author added some kind of speculative future scenes that I really liked that actually were some of my favorites of this story. So it was really fun to be able to finish the fic, be like, I loved that, and then go read the end notes. And I was like, oh my god, I loved that. <laughs> um, but I really love the the dedication to process and thinking through what was my goal here? How did I accomplish that? How do I want to express the ways I did and didn't accomplish that to my readers separately from what I already did in the work? I don't know. It just feels so fandom to engage even further beyond the fan work that you've created to want to say more and give more and do more about this story that's in your head. Because like at the end of the day, I don't know, we're all nerds who are excited about something. So <laughs> I like the opportunity to be like even more excited for longer. Yeah, absolutely. I think also on that same sort of like fandoming about fic um, side of things, one thing I really loved about this fic and like what I really like about fics that kind of have this sort of premise in general, like when authors made a concept that's really inventive and been really well executed in their fic, like I love when my brain can't stop spiraling about that concept and how I keep thinking more and more about it. Like not just applying this to other groups, which like my brain was totally doing, um, but also just all the different scenarios in which like this would come up for them. Like in our pre-discussion, we were talking about this a little bit too, but like, you know, just the how it reflects on fan culture and like these fans getting together to like say good things, but you also know aunties get together to like say bad things. It's like literally like people are out there being like, clear the searches, like Jung-hun beautiful, Jung-hun cute, Jung-hun pretty, Jung-hun talented to like Amen. get those things like on his body, you know, like that's crazy. Um, and I was also thinking too about like there being like just all the questions that my brain spirals out, you know, like um, like are there stigmas around like the different languages the words show up on on your body? Like some of these words probably show up in English because they're like international fans. Some of them probably show up in Hangul. Like if you're a Chinese idol, do some of them show up in like, you know, just whatever language of like your home country? Like are there stigmas around that? Like I don't know. Like I just couldn't stop thinking through all of the different 
like eventualities and like things that idols would have to deal with about this premise and like I don't know I just had a lot of fun with that so that's one of my favorite things like when that happens with Bic um and like yeah I thought this was an amazing concept yeah um one of my favorite things about doing this podcast is that I can read a fic and be like I have so much to say <laughs> and I have so much I want to talk about and then I can make my friends read it and talk about it with me. <laughs> um, and that was definitely the case here. I really love this fic. I love the premise. I love that there's so much room for imagination in it, both on the author's part and on the reader's part. So really, really excited that we got to talk about it. And I'm probably going to keep thinking about it even more after this. So my fic this episode is At Hey It's Spider-Man by Megan. It is a fic for the animated movie Into the Spider-Verse. Um, it is a gen fic. This fic was double wrecked in our server. Um, the original wreck was by Cassie, and then Dell brought it up um, somewhat recently and said like, hey, I think I found this in the server and I absolutely loved this. And so I had seen that in our fic Rex channel and I was like, Ooh, I really loved Into the Spider-Verse and I love media fic. Let me check this out. And I had so, so much fun with it. Um, and if you've listened to our podcast, you're probably aware that we do love a media fic over here on Fic Click. This fic is canon compliant and set after the events of the movie. And um, unlike some other fics that we've brought where it's like, if you don't know the canon, you're fine. This one, I like think you very much do need to know the canon. Um, so I hope you will all bear with me as I give a little primer to the Into the Spider-Verse movie. So the concept of Into the Spider-Verse is basically that it pulls many Spider-Men from many, many different multiverses across, like, the Marvel universe. Um, the movie starts, it's like your typical Miles Morales is the protagonist, he's the Spider-Man of this world, um, he's a young teenager, um, but Peter Parker also exists in his world, so there, like, is already an existing Spider-Man, um, and then in the very beginning of the movie, pretty much, like, Miles ends up, like, witnessing a fight in which Peter gets mortally wounded, um, Peter ends up dying, the whole city finds out about his secret identity, um, and then shortly after that, Miles runs into another Peter Parker and is like, what is this? And, uh, you sort of begin the movie in which you find out that because of, like, villain stuff, um, all of these different Spider-Men have ended up in Miles's home universe. Um, the, the quick spoilers in the movie is that they save the day and everyone gets sent back to their home dimension. Um, but you do sort of need to be familiar with the cast of characters to go into this fic, so I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the Spider-Men that you meet in the movie. Um, as I said, our protagonist, Miles Morales, um... His universe is, like, pretty similar to ours, but not quite the same. Um, his sort of mentor throughout the film is Peter Parker, who is from Earth-616, which is, like, what you would consider our world and also what, like, most of the Marvel movies and, like, all of this, like, all of the Spider-Man stuff you'd probably be familiar with, that all is where he comes from. But he's, like, more grown up. Um, he's, like, in his 30s. You get Gwen Stacy, who is Spider-Woman, like, in her universe, she got bit, and then her best friend Peter Parker died, and she blames it on herself, and it's very sad. Um, you get Penny Parker, who I pulled her description from Wikipedia. She is from a, quote, alternative anime-like universe, and she co-pilots a biomechanical suit with a radioactive spider that she shares a telepathic link with. Um, she's very smart. She's very tech-oriented, uh, which is pretty pivotal to this fic. Um, other appearances. You have Peter Porker, also known as Spider-Ham. He is a cartoon pig. 
He is voiced by John Mulaney. That is really all I have to say about him. <laughs> um, and rounding out, well, sort of rounding out our cast of characters for Spider-Man is uh, Peter B. Parker or Spider-Noir. Um, he is monochromatic. He's from like a comic in the 1930s. He's a detective. He's like very dramatic. Um, and it does also feel important to mention that he was voiced by Nick Cage. Mm -hmm. So just keep that in mind. Um, there is also another Spider-Man in this fic that was not so much in the movie, um, unless you stayed and watched the end credit scene, which I actually did not know existed until I was reading this fic and did some research. Um, but the last Spider-Man who was like, also pretty important to this fic, but not really as present, is uh, Miguel O'Hara, um, who, in the end credit scene of the movie, you see him talking to his, like, hologram, Lila, and she's basically talking about, like, some events that are, like, threatening the multiverse. Uh, Lila is, like, an AI, um, and she instructs uh, Miguel basically to, like, contact the spider-man across the multiverse and like make sure everything is stable and the end credit scene is him with a device like about to make a jump pretty much um so he is also in this fic the premise is that it starts with penny parker the tech one with the suit and the radioactive spider she's a telepathic link with penny is reaching out to people um because she has found a way to sort of connect data points between the different multiverses and so she gets, like, a group chat going between all of the different Spider-Men. Um, and so in the format of a media fic, it starts with texting, and then you get a whole lot going on. Um, so Miles is our central character, and the media is sort of centered around his universe, but you get all of these different things happening also with, like, the other Spider-Men who are now able to contact one another. A quick note about both the Spider-Verse movie and this fic, um... If you have not seen Into the Spider-Verse and you are, like, interested in checking it out, I do just want to say that, like, there is a lot of, like, chromatic aberration and eye strain and sort of flashing lights in it. Um, I think artistically it is a super, super cool film and I really loved it. But definitely if that is a thing you are sensitive to and you, like, haven't seen media for it, just know that before you go looking for it. Um, additionally, I brought a fic last episode where the text turned a lighter blue and I was like, hey, if that bothers you, you can just turn off creator style and that's fine and you can read the fic as normal. You can't really do that with this fic. Uh, as Brenna found out, <laughs> um, this is a fic that really does so much with AO3's formatting. So in addition to texts, you have like tweets, Reddit posts, news articles, so many different things. Um, but they're not embedded images. Like, it is all text that you can sort of, like, highlight and interact with. Um, and if you turn off creator style, it is simply unreadable. Um, so please know that if you're interested in reading the fic. Uh, keep that in mind. I think the only note sort of I have to give you um, context for this fic is that I don't really have any content warnings as such. Just that there are referenced off-screen, like, superhero movie typical violence. And also, as I mentioned, in Miles' universe, the movie starts with, like, his Peter Parker dying, and so there are some also, like, references to that as well. Okay, I hope you stuck with me for all of that. Um, really, like, this movie is so, so delightful. I really liked it. And when I saw this fic pop up in our server twice, and I was like, this is a media fic, I was like, ooh, like, let me check this out. Um, absolutely loved it. It was so fun. It was so easy to fall into. And as ever, I am really blown away with how creative people get with their media fix. Something that I've really enjoyed uh, is that 
for every media fic that we've brought on this pod, there has always been like a new element in it. Like there's been at least like one thing in that fic that I hadn't seen previous. Um, and boy, does this fic like do a lot of that. There are so many different ways that it chooses to tell you the story. And I think all of them were super effective and just super fun and impressive. Um, also like this felt very in character for like what I knew of the characters from the movie. Um, the characters like feel very much like teenagers interacting with like the 30 something adult who is trying so hard to be responsible. Like God, God, Peter Parker did not set out to be a role model, but now he's like juggling, trying to make sure that like Gwen and Miles are not like throwing themselves headfirst into needless danger. Um, Teenager acquisition. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, truly. Um, I just had so much fun with it. I really liked it. Um, And given that both of my co-hosts had seen this movie, I was like, hell yeah, I think this will be fun for all of us. So yeah, what'd you guys think? Yeah, I had so much fun with this fic. I, like Reed said, have seen the movie. I greatly enjoyed it. I did pull up a reference of like the different characters in it while reading this just to like kind of as a quick refresh um, because I didn't remember some of the side ones that well, like or I've encountered other versions of them in media and was like trying to kind of place who is who exactly like the Gwen of this. I kind of wanted a refresh on. Um, so you might do that as well, even if you have seen the movie. But uh, for the most part, it's pretty easy to follow, I think, if you've seen the film. Um, it's yeah, it was very fun. Also, as Reed mentioned, I was a fool <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> Just like such a fool. Um, I think I said this last episode. Um, if you are a consistent fit click listener, um, that I have my AO3 for some reason set to like not show creator style and I should probably fix that because, um, I was really confused at the beginning of this. Like the first chapter is probably the only one that you could potentially read without creator style on. Like it is readable. It's all text messages. So I read it, but I was like, wow, I remember Reed saying like that she really loved the formatting of this, (laughs) that there were some really cool like media elements. And I was like, this is just text, like, and it's really hard to read. Like, this is not great. (laughs) And then I got into chapter two, which like, when you don't show creator style is really weird because you start seeing tweets and stuff. And I was like, this can't be right. This can't be right. (laughs) And then I finally scrolled up and clicked show creator style. Um, so if you are like me and have your AO3 for some reason set to not show creator style, uh, definitely recommend clicking show creator style for this. Once you have, it's a delight. Um, (laughs) the media elements of this are so cool. Like Reed said, there's some that I had not seen before. Um, I think we're going to get into like the little SoundCloud playlists and stuff that are Uh in this. Those were so fun. Um, but yeah, I, I also, uh, something I liked about this fic is because it's all pretty much told in media and a lot of it is in these text conversations between characters i was thinking a lot about like the ways in which your relationship with someone via text is kind of different than when you see them in person or like even when you talk on the phone i think we've all had that experience in the past year of like (laughs) our in-person relationships then going kind of online um But I just thought that that was kind of present, especially in some of Miles' conversations with Gwen or with Peter Parker, um, that there were some like kind of awkward and stilted moments that I think would not have been there if they were having face-to-face conversations or maybe even on like FaceTime or something, whatever exists in Miles' universe. Um, And that's definitely something I want to kind of get back to of like, 
both how the fic is inventive with media, but then also how the media styles it chooses, like, impact its characters' relationships with each other and, like, what happens to them in the fic. I really enjoyed this fic a lot. Um, I really liked the movie when I watched it. I got to see it in theaters, and it was a very good experience. Um, and it was really fun to return to that. I hadn't thought to look for fic, I don't think. Um, so it's nice to be able to pop back in and be like, hey, what are, what are you up to, Miles? <laughs> <laughs> uh this apparently a lot it seems like um yeah i liked this fic i thought that the the formatting was incredibly impressive um it intimidated me to think about even trying a fraction of this myself so megan you did a great job <laughs> um also yes absolutely hilarious to look at what Brenna was trying to read <laughs> without the creator style. Oh no. Show the creator style ficlets for this fic at least. You really need to. Um also like would recommend reading it on desktop if you can. Um yeah, I I liked the different relationships. It took me a while to remember that PBP, Peter B. Parker and Spider Noir were the same. Cause I was trying, I was like, who's this other Peter? What's he up to? Why does he message so weird? And I was like, oh, 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 he's noir. Uh, which I did like, and then it made a lot of sense. And I thought that characterization was hilarious. He was one of my favorite characters in this fic as like a side character. Um, yeah, one other thing I really liked is about halfway through the author in an author's note was like, oh, I tried to keep this just like fun and lighthearted, but now there's like plot and emotional investment. And I was like, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I was so excited. It delved a lot into like what it means to be a superhero and what this 14 year old kid owes to the city of New York based on an accident that happened to him. Um what support does he have and what support does he deserve and how do you like live your life as a person and a superhero like all of those considerations were really really interesting and I thought that they were well done in this fic so I was super glad that the author was like hey <laughs> what if I sprinkle some of this in here because I loved it um yeah I guess the only other note that I have for this intro bit is just that I really liked the author's like whip philosophy in the first chapter author's note of like I don't really know what I'm doing I'm just having fun I hope that instead of like being like oh there's no update yet you can think every time there is an update like oh how nice there's more of this fic to read um I just thought that was really sweet and a, a nice way to look at it um as a reader and as an author as well who like currently is posting a whip and I don't know what the hell I'm doing with that <laughs> um it's it's a nice philosophy, and I think it's one that fandom could stand to adopt more widely. I think some parts of fandom do a really good job with it. Um, but, you know, always a nice reminder. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a really fun read. I liked it a lot. Yeah, one of the things that I think I loved most about this fic is that at the heart of it, it was about the relationship between Miles and Peter. Um, or at least I think that was a very big part of it. Like, on one hand, I was absolutely fucking delighted by how much of this fic was just Miles and Gwen and a little bit Penny just dunking on Peter for being, like, old and, like, not knowing what's going on. Like, it was such a funny antagonistic relationship where um, they would, like, make references or whatever and be like, oh, like, never mind, like, you don't get this, like, blah, blah, blah. Or they would say something and Peter was like, is this an insult? Should I know what this means? And Gwen is like, no, don't worry about it. Move on. Um, and I just thought that was, like, really funny. But also, like... The ribbing clearly comes from a place of love, like that sort of back and forth that was forged in the bond of them escaping many near-death experiences. Um, 
And then on the other hand, you have the bits where Miles, like, feels every bit like a 14-year-old who is just in over his head. Like, he is absolutely overwhelmed by school and hiding this huge secret from his parents and, like, all of the responsibilities placed on him. And Peter, who feels like he's kind of messed up his life a little bit because when you meet him in the movie, like, Peter put everything into being Spider-Man and he lost a lot of his, like, interpersonal life as a result of it. And so Peter is just, like, desperately trying to help Miles not go down that same path. But, like, he did not sign up to be a mentor. He is just here now. Um, and I thought there's sort of conversations, like, fumbling through that, like, fumbling through the difficulties of being Spider-Man, the difficulties of coming into this role as a young kid. Um, they felt really impactful to me. I felt how much Peter cared about Miles, like, through his texts. And that was really nice. Uh, I thought their relationship was really well done in this fic. Yeah, one thing I really liked about this fic was that it felt like you have when you have this many characters, you really have to have a strong sense of characterization for each of them, especially when you only get text messages or tweets or logs of audio chats. Uh, there's a little bit of prose at a couple points in this fic, but not a lot. Um, and I thought that he did a really good job differentiating their voices, making them distinct, and like making them each their own character outside of just interacting with each other it feels sometimes like in media where you have one specific point of view character that the other characters exist in relation to that character uh, but in this fic even though miles is our main character because we receive the information in i don't want to say a less biased way but in in a more equitable way almost um where you don't really get the the tone indicators you don't get miles thoughts about these people explicitly in the narrative as they're talking um i felt like it really gave a lot of opportunity for them to be their own people and for us to see them in different settings um, I also really liked the Miles of this fic. I thought it was really fun to see him and Miguel interact a little bit. There's a bit in the prose bit at the end where they're talking in Spanish that really delighted me uh, because it did not feel like Google Translate Spanish and I appreciated <laughs> that deeply. Thank you, author. Sometimes like you're reading a fic where a character is bilingual and you're like, whoo. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I just appreciated it or like him calling peter parker viejo it was very funny to me uh, like okay old man it just was good it was charming i liked this miles a lot he felt very real and very like grounded in miles's life and i appreciated that a lot i think that was what made the fic the most for me these different characters being really really grounded in their realities and that informing the way that they interact with each other yeah, absolutely. And like one of the things that's really interesting about this is that like they're existing in different realities. Like they're texting between realities thanks to Penny's inventions. Um and so they're seeing these like windows into each other's lives, but like they're not really like there with each other. And again, this kind of gets back to my point of like it's interesting to watch as these are their only means of communication. There aren't like I mean, they might be having other texts that aren't shown to us, like, the reader, but they aren't, like, oh, and then meeting up for coffee that we, like, don't see or something. Um, like, we know that they're kind of only communicating this way. Um, and, yeah, I just thought that, like, that kind of adds an extra layer of interest to what we know about their lives, what we know about their relationships, how they act with each other. Um, 
And there are these kind of moments also of conflict where, like, it's kind of clear one person's, like, not responding to text messages or you can kind of, like, imagine there being a delay, especially in some of these more, like, fraught conversations. There's, like, in the conversations between Peter Parker and um, Miles, uh, especially the ones that kind of get into the territory of Miles having some, like, trouble being, like, a 15, 14-year-old Spider-Man trying to balance that and life and work and his other hobbies his art um and kind of like it's definitely a more stilted conversation via text like that's something I found myself thinking about a lot and just like the similarities between the two of them and Peter in this mentorship position kind of but also like this vast amount of space between them in so many different ways in terms of experiences in terms of age in terms of literal universe um and then also in terms of just like this is their only means of communication. Um, and the tone that you sometimes get through like written communication versus in person, like there's these moments where you can tell that like Peter Parker is trying to be very like sincere and um, like offer Miles this pretty good advice, I think. Um, but like Miles is obviously like a teenager and doesn't really want to be told like, you know, this is what it's, what's important. This is what you want to do. Like, blah, blah, blah. And I think it's also easier for both of them to be a little bit more, like, short with each other sometimes via text. Um, like, when Miles is like, okay, I get it that you don't want to make, make my mistakes. Like, yeah, maybe that's something he would have said to his face. But you can also think about, like, how does the fact that they have all this space, like, impact their relationship? And I think it impacts his relationship with Gwen a lot, too. Like, there's a scene that kind of made me sad for Miles where like he had sent Gwen this like mixtape um and then later on she's like was this like some kind of like romantic confession and he's like no it's literally just a mixtape I made for my friends but then I was thinking about how the fact that like they never they don't go to like school together they don't hang out like they see they saw each other like once (laughs) and yeah maybe Miles did have a little bit of a crush on her but like it's so much harder now for her to tell like what's what with them because there's all the space because they can't spend that time with each other like it's just via these text messages and like it keeps leaving off really awkwardly and I was just like feeling so bad for Miles I think in some of those where it's like it's not Gwen's fault but just this distance is making it so hard for them to like read each other and read each other's intentions. I absolutely feel what you're saying I mean I agree like I agree that that scene with Gwen was really brutal um and you can feel very much like the distance between some of the characters and also when they're trying really hard to bridge that distance, as you said, like when Peter is trying really hard to be earnest. Um, and there's a scene, like a, a little bit of one scene that really got me where after Miles and Peter have had sort of one of their conversations where Miles is like, this is really hard. And Peter is like, you've got to do your best, but you've also got to like take care of yourself, et cetera, et cetera. Um, where Miles has had Peter's name as a lot of different things in his phone. And like, at this point it is Peter who still owes me $30. Um, But at the end of this, like, very sincere conversation, he changes it to Peter fist emoji. And something about that, like, really touched me. Um, It was almost like, yes, there is this distance because of tech, but here is, like, a little indication of bridging that distance um, that I just thought was, like, really nice um, and something that would only be in a fic like this. Um, Like, I think if I read that as, like, a line of exposition, like, and then Miles changed Peter's name in his phone, like... I don't think that would have really hit the same versus just like seeing it laid out on the page. Um, Also, I do absolutely want to touch on what you said when Miles sends Gwen a mixtape because there are so many cool elements of media in this fic, but this hands down was my favorite, um, where 
Miles sends some SoundCloud playlists to Peter and then to Gwen, and they are embedded in the fic. Uh, the first time you see one is when Peter is like getting ready for a date with MJ, and Miles is like, "Cool, great, I've got some tunes to help like hype you up before your date. Here you go." And at first I thought it was like a screenshot and then I scrolled and my mouse was in the middle of the screen and it started like scrolling down through the playlist songs and I was like, oh my god. And so I like clicked play to hear the beginning of one. Um, And then unfortunately, I deeply related to the Peter Parker of this fic because Peter was like, Miles, I can't listen to some of these songs. Like they're behind a paywall. What is this? And Miles was like, like what? You don't have a SoundCloud account? And Peter was like, no. Um, and I too do not have a SoundCloud account. And so like, I could not listen to these songs in AO3 because like some of them were like locked. Um, and so I went down to the author's note, uh, where they have a link to a Spotify version. And I did listen to the three playlists that they made for this fic. And I thought all of them were very fun and very good. So that was delightful just to like have playing in the background as I was like doing stuff in the, the couple days after I read this fic. But I just thought that was like such a cool element. Yeah, I do have a SoundCloud account, which I'd forgotten about. So the playlist worked, and I was like, am I signed into a SoundCloud account? Uh, I was. My SoundCloud account has one thing on it, and it's a podfic I made, like, four years ago. (laughs) (laughs) So, (laughs) came in handy. Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to my favorite piece of, like, media in this fic, um, which is, long story short, Peter comes to help Miles out of, like, a pretty bad situation, and, like, in that, you get these little pieces of, like, um, dialogue that are formatted like comic book dialogue, Mm -hmm. and I did not see that coming, and I absolutely loved it. Um, I thought that was super inventive and a really fun way to kind of give us, like, this look at something that was happening outside of the media in real time, but keep it, like, a media format and also give us that, like, comic book flavor. I just thought it was super smart. Really liked that one. Not something I've seen before. My favorite part of this fic was the chapter in which we got the memorial to the Peter Parker who did die in this universe that Miles is in. Um, I just thought it was really, really touching um, and seeing the different completely different perspectives of people who were leaving notes some of them who knew him some of them who didn't know him some of them who regret their past actions of greed um i just thought there was something really human about it and i appreciated that the author took time and space in this fic to pause for that because there's a lot of other stuff going on this happens in the back half of the fic where we really start have the plot escalating and the emotions escalating um but I, I thought it was a really smart pause to take and to be able to sit and say, okay, here is a moment of humanness. Here is what Spider-Man as an entity means to this community. Um, as Miles is contemplating what he wants to do and who he wants to be and how he's going to balance everything. Um, I just really appreciated that moment. And I liked that in the author's note in that section, the author um uh, pasted a photo a screenshot of a discord comment they had gotten from one of their friends as they were talking about this that basically said like no fic that anyone writes is ever going to be as touching or as poignant as a note on a memorial um i think that was where the inspiration for this chapter came from i just really that i think is the piece of this fic that stuck with me the most after i finished reading yeah absolutely i really loved that as well the memorial notes i thought were fantastic um I also want to say that, like, one of my favorite things that this fic did is what it chose to center its climax around, which 
in one part was kind of this um, fire across a bunch of apartment buildings that Miles goes to try to intervene in. Um, but it also in part was about Miles harboring this secret from his parent. Um, and so when it comes to the fire, like, Miles has been sort of set up at this, like, charity event um, to be, like, to lure him away from a fire. He finds out the fire is happening. He goes racing in. Um, and this is what prompts Peter Parker to cross over from his universe into Miles's to come save him, basically. Um, and what I really liked about this is that I liked that the fic didn't try to introduce, like, some big, like, super hero like comic villain like i like that there wasn't a huge like battle or whatever in the realm of superhero duties i guess like saving people from a burning building feels almost mundane like that's the establishing shot you get at the beginning of a movie or a tv show that like sort of shows you like here's the superhero and they're good at what they're doing and oh wow they just like saved the cat from this building or whatever um but like miles is just a kid like he is just a kid who's just starting this huge role as, like, your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Um, and he doesn't know not to rush into this building with his suit that is spray-painted and therefore very flammable. Like, he doesn't think those things through. He's just trying to do his best to save people. Um, I really liked that. I thought that said a lot about who the characters of this fic are, like, who the Miles of this fic is, and also, like, what is important in this fic, which again, centers around relationships, like it was Peter coming to help Miles. And then also in the aftermath, Miles telling his parents this big secret, like so much of this fic has been about this weighing on him um, and how he like really is struggling to balance all of the different things in his life. And I thought it was really well done how like this moment um, or like this scene with the fire is what leads him to um, be honest with his parents. And even though it ends up going kind of poorly, like he gets grounded, it also goes quite well in other ways too. So yeah, there is clearly so much about this fic that I really loved, um, that we all really loved. It was a very, very fun read. Um, if uh, my primer at the beginning did not give you enough context, I would highly recommend go to Wikipedia, uh, give it a scroll, and then come back to this fic because once you do have the context for it, it is absolutely delightful, um, both for its content and also I think just to marvel at Haha, <laughs> Marvel. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> once again, an unintentional pun. Um, to come and be super impressed by how much work this author must have put into the formatting. Oh my god. Um, it is such. It is just such a good fic. Um, I was delighted to have found it, and I was really glad that you guys had just as much fun with it as I did. So thank you as always for listening to this episode of FitClick. <laughs> if you enjoyed this one or other ones and want to engage with us further, you can find us on social media. Uh, we are on Twitter and Tumblr at FitClick. And you can also join our Discord. I know we mention it every time, but it is a really delightful place uh, filled with fellow Fic lovers. So if you want to get in there, you can find a link to join on our Twitter as well. You can also email us if you want at fitclickpod at gmail.com. Um, once again, I am asking that if you know any of the writers of Westworld, please get back to us about the <laughs> Brenna meter. Um, that would be a great way to contact us. Um, or just give them our email. Mm -hmm. And they yeah, can contact or that us too. directly. Yes. Um, I don't remember either of the names that Brenna said at the beginning, but the directors of writers Nolan. of- 
No, <laughs> it's his brother. Oh, I was close. I was close. Oh, incredible. Christopher Nolan's brother, if you would like to reach out to us, you can find us, ficklickpod at gmail.com. Um, so Christopher Nolan's brother, or whoever might be listening and feel so inclined, um, if you want to leave us a review um, on Apple Podcasts or whatever podcaster you use that has reviews, we would really, really appreciate it. Um, that and additionally, if you retweet us or maybe tell a friend about us, those both are really, really important ways that we can help expand our listenership. Um, we are always looking for new ficlets to come join our lovely and accursed place of fandom. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And then if you're the other creator of Westworld, who's not Christopher Nolan's brother, uh, (laughs) we do have merch for the podcast. (laughs) So if you're interested, you can get stickers. We have tote bags and like notebooks and mugs. They're super cute. Designed by Brenna. So if you're interested in that, please check it out. Unless you're Christopher Nolan's brother, in which case do not interact. No, absolutely not. No merch for you. Not allowed. No, we're lying. If you want merch, that's totally fine. Uh, and you can find the link to our Redbubble on our Twitter account. Um, yeah, I think that about does it for this episode. Uh, you can catch us in the next episode on March 19th, where we are doing a fandom classics. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, 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 Thank you for the hype horns. Read only. Uh, <laughs> thank you for nothing, Brenna. <laughs> You know that of You're the so three hosts, welcome. I am the most hyped about Merlin. I know so much about it and this fic that we're bringing. Oh, we need a spoiler horn or something. Yes, we are bringing the Student Prince by Faye J, a Merlin, Merlin slash Arthur fic. So I am honestly stoked. I've been wanting to read this fic for so long. The number of times I've been like, Brenna, I want to read the Student Prince. Okay. <laughs> I don't even I know mean, anything it's, about it. It's like three times as long as our usual fic club limit. So, you know, I can't had wait. to wait around a little bit. Also, I'm sorry, still- we did not put out a poll for this one we just chose. So <laughs> look out for polls in the future. It's but this time, it's it's us choosing. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, so you can find out more about our Phantom Classic series and our really insightful thoughts, I'm sure, about the student prince in our next episode. Like Nick said, we hope you'll tune in then. Bye! Bye.